Good evening. This is Pamela, and you're listening to Watchmen on the Pod. We're going to continue in the book that I wrote uh, almost 20 years ago. I really kind of don't have a title. I could call it The Cross. Um, but, you know, I have kicked around that for, for a while. Um, I did at one time um, think that maybe I will call it, uh, I believe it was Y. H-V-Y or I-N-H-S or something like that. What they had put above Jesus where it says um, you know that uh, King of the Jews Jesus King of the Jews and there's like don't say he is King of Jews but say that he says he's King of the Jews. But I had not really given it a title. So anyway here we go. Chapter 2. Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Luke chapter 23, 33-34 and, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Today we are going to look into the first words uttered from the lips of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on Mount Calvary. Forgiveness. This verse is written in the imperfect tense. What this means is Jesus prayed this prayer repeatedly. It was not just a one-time prayer. Whether out loud or within his heart, he continuously prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They did not know what they were doing. They had no idea that this man was God. They had no idea this man was their creator. Though the holy scriptures they read daily in the temple spoke of him, they should have known, but they did not. No, they did not know what they were doing. Yet ignorance is not an excuse with God. God is holy, holy, holy. He cannot overlook sin. He simply cannot sweep it under a rug and forget about it. That is impossible for him to do. So though they did this in ignorance, the blood of this very one asking was required and repentance is required in order to receive the forgiveness. Ignorance does not equal innocence. Acts chapter 3 verse 14 through 19 says, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of the of the life, and killed the prince of, I put the life. Let me go to, because like I had told you earlier, that I hand wrote all of these scriptures, and I just want to make sure that I have it correctly. I really do. I don't want to misquote the word of God. So it's Acts chapter 3, 14 through 19. So let's go to Acts chapter 3. 14 through 19. Yeah, back then I did not know how to copy and paste, which is probably best. <clears throat> Here we go. Acts chapter 3, 14. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance ye did it, 
as did also you rulers. But those things which God before had shewed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So we see that even though they were ignorant, they were guilty. Okay. Notice in verse 17, Peter tells them that they did it out of ignorance, but notice in verse 19, he tells them to repent. Ignorance does not equal excuse, brothers and sisters. It does not. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, I'm going to go to, I got to go to the Bible because like I said, I hate to misquote. And I had done this all by hand back then. So Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says this, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. No excuse. There's none. When someone forgives a debt, that you borrowed, that means that your debt is canceled and you never have to pay it back. It is to give mercy to someone who does not deserve it. That is what Jesus did for us on the cross. But you must receive it, accept it. It is a gift of grace, the same as if I were to hand someone a gift, the next move, so to speak, would be in their hands, and they either accept it or they reject it. And that is what Jesus was and is offering today, a gift of grace written in his blood. The word says in Hebrews chapter 9, let's go to that, verse 22, Chapter 9, verse 22. And it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Blood must be shed in order for sin to be remitted, which is forgiven. In Christ Jesus, our sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb of God, never to be remembered again. As his blood was flowing from his back, his head, his face, his hands, his feet, Jesus now asks the Father to forgive them. Notice, he does not say to them, I will forgive you. As in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, where it says, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then in Luke seven forty eight it says, And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. He, at this point in his life, he was becoming our substitute, our replacement. And we find that, go in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. So let's go to Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. At this point also is when he was fulfilling another prophecy, and that's in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. Note, the inverse says, and made intercession for the transgressors. And I believe that we need to go back and reread that, and so we are going to. So let's go to Isaiah told you there's a lot of scripture but scripture is so very important I'm, that's our that's it right there that's what we need that's our foundation that's how we do not get deceived is through the written word of God and we're going to read Isaiah 1 through 12 who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was there any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. The transgressors. Praise God. So it was prophesied that he would intercede on the behalf of those who were his enemies, those who had beaten, slapped, spit upon, plucked his beard out by the roots and disfigured him, mocked him, laughed at him, pierced his hands and feet, gave him no pity or help, made his bones go out of joint. It is these he interceded for, those who hated him, despised him, and enjoyed inflicting pain and causing agony. Those are the ones he's crying out for there in psalms 22 14 it says i am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it is melted in the midst of my bowels notice he never said 
forget, Father, what they are doing. He said, forgive them, pointing out there was a need for forgiveness. And the pathway of redemption was bloody and painful that he endured. So we would not endure such atrocities ourselves. He was also becoming our intercessor with the Father. Those who accept his sacrifice and forgiveness, he intercedes for us. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Let's see Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. And it says, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus began his ministry with a prayer at the river of Jordan. Luke, let's go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 we're going to go all the way to 21 now when all the people were baptized it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying the heaven was open praise God praise God so he started his ministry praying did he not yes he did oh he began his ministry praying, urged us to pray continually. He prayed throughout his ministry and during a time that he had every right to become angry, hurt, or selfish, he still prayed for others. As he is today on our behalf, prayer is essential and Jesus showed the importance of it. Yet we see somehow, yet we somehow overlooked the necessity and rewards of a life of prayer. Jesus died as he lived, praying, and he continues according to the book of Hebrews. He was not someone that preached one thing and yet did the opposite. If he was not the Savior of the world and the Son of the living God, this would have been the test. He would have failed. His compassion, mercy, love for others was so evident while hanging on the cross. It is something our minds cannot comprehend, yet our hearts know it. Our spirits witness with his spirit, and the Holy Spirit came not to speak of himself, but of him. And you can find that in John chapter 16. Let's go there. John chapter 16. Go to verse 13. And this is what it says. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall shew it unto you. Praise God. And there's people saying that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not God. Yes, the Holy Spirit is to God. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Okay, let's keep going. <clears throat> Again, let's see. There is no excuse for us holding a grudge or harboring unforgiveness. There's no excuse because 
Jesus' Spirit came and He abides with us and He will guide us into all truth. All truth. Praise God, He will. Jesus is a living and breathing illustration of His Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to that. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Let's go down to verse 43. Isn't God good, brothers and sisters? I love him so much. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son in to rise on the evil and on the good sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust for if ye love them which love you what reward have ye do not even the publicans do the same and if ye salute only brethren if you salute your brethren only what do ye more than others do not even the publicans so be ye therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. He lived that sermon right there on Mount Calvary. You see it. Gotta believe it and know it. Okay. Jesus prayed a prayer to the unforgivable immediately after being nailed to the cross. We see the thief on the cross repent, the centurion soldier at the foot of the cross, when he said, surely this was the Son of God. We at times listen to the enemy as he whispers lies and tells us that it is impossible to have this kind of love that Jesus had and that God would understand. I plead with you to read about Stephen in the book of Acts. And we are going to go read about Stephen. Because this is important. And that's in Acts chapter 7. We're going to go all the way down to 54, I believe it is. Let's see. And here it is. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. When they cried out with a loud voice, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Praise God. Now, we see what happened there. It is possible to have that kind of love, but it's only through God, is it not? Stephen had this unselfish love Look at verse 55 and verse 60 again. You want to know if someone, whoops, I'm sorry. You want to know if someone is full of the Holy Ghost? 
This is the true evidence of being full of the Holy Ghost. The gifts can be counterfeited and are being misused and abused today. But there is one thing that a counterfeit cannot do, and that is with their last breath, cry out in love for their enemy. The ones that are throwing stones at you in hate, with intent to take your life, someone who was full of the Holy Ghost would in love and did. And he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. That, my friends, is something that Satan cannot counterfeit. We got to remember that it says in the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 5 that God shed his love abroad in our hearts by his Holy Ghost. This is not a natural love brothers and sisters. This is a supernatural love that comes straight from God and he sheds it abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Now John fifteen twelve through 13 um, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There is a parable in Matthew chapter 18, 32 through 35 that speaks of someone who is unforgiving, even though he himself had been forgiven. We're going to go there. So let's go to Matthew chapter 18. This is a very important parable that people overlook. They overlook exactly what is written. And I want you to read it and see for yourself. Now listen to this. We're just going to go, <clears throat> go 1832. Start there. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also had had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now listen to this last verse here. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts Forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Do you understand what happened here? Everything that master had forgiven that servant for, when that servant refused to forgive, everything that was forgiven, his debt was brought back to him, and he had to pay it himself. I want you to think about that. That's very frightening. And Jesus says, likewise, my Father in heaven will do the same. That's scary, brothers and sisters. That's very scary. All right. <clears throat> now, let's see, let's see, let's see. The only thing is going to cost you, really, to forgive someone is your pride. And you know what? Pride cometh before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Humble yourself. Get rid of it. Jesus did not cry out for justice. He did not cry out for revenge when they had done these things to him. But he cried out for his enemies' forgiveness. He has set the straight and narrow road for all of us to follow. Just thinking on this, I see why a few find it. 
All too often we add to the word and we say God wants you to fight for your rights and track those down who have done you wrong. But Jesus is our example to follow. As Stephen did, Romans chapter 12 verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We are to love them and pray for them anyway. That right there completes chapter 2. Um, pick up in chapter 3 next time. I love you, brothers and sisters, so very, very much. I want you to keep your eyes on Jesus always, always, always. And your nose in the book, which is the Word of God. And embed the Word of God upon the tablets of your hearts. So you will not sin against God or be deceived. Till next time. Bye-bye.